0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If
1: you're stuck in a relationship quandary,
2: or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask
3: on The Savage Podcast. I don't spend a lot of time reading blogs uh, that are quote-unquote family blogs or family publications, which is how Eugene Volok, sorry if I mispronounced your name there – Gene uh, describes his blog, but he had a post about vibrators that I found my way to from Andrew Sullivan's very excellent blog. Uh, and he made this point that I thought was really interesting about sex toys and the, the assumptions that people make. Post-sex in the city, post-vibrators now being for sale at every Walgreens and at every shopping mall in the country – There's this idea that, you know, sex toys and vibrators are this fine and not shameful and actually liberating thing for women to own. And it actually signals something to you, uh, to everyone, if a woman owns a vibrator, that she's not afraid of her own vagina and that she's, you know, sexually adventurous. But what about a man who owns a sex toy? What about a man who owns, say, a pocket pussy? A man who owns a fleshlight? What is signaled there? Uh, And he calls it the sex toy double standard. And I really believe that that he's on to something here. I'm going to read from his blog. If you hear that a woman wants sex but doesn't have a partner, which is why she needs a sex toy at the moment, what do you think? You think she's picky. She's afraid of being emotionally hurt. She's getting over a bad breakup. Doesn't have the time for a commitment. Worried about pregnancy. Doesn't want to be thought of as promiscuous. But if you hear a man wants sex but doesn't have a partner, which is why he's using a sex toy, what do you think? You think he can't get a woman to sleep with him. It's a vast overgeneralization, generalization Eugene goes on, but it has some truth to it. Therefore, a male desire to use a vibrator is evidence that he's sexually unsuccessful in a way that doesn't apply the same way to women. Hence, woman with vibrator equals sexy, man with vibrator equals pathetic. I think that's true. I mean, I don't think it's true that a man with a vibrator is pathetic. I, don't, I think it's true that there's a double standard there when it comes to sex toys. And hopefully it's a double standard just as... We've burned through the cultural shame and hang-ups about women and sex toys and women with vibrators. Honest to God, you know, 20 years ago when I first started writing Savage Love, I would get so much mail from guys who would stumble over their new girlfriends or their wives' sex toys. uh, You know, a vibrator in the back of a drawer next to a bed and have a complete meltdown uh, that it meant that they weren't satisfying her, that she couldn't be satisfied, that she preferred the vibrator, that his dick couldn't do that don't get those letters anymore. Just don't. They never come in anymore. Even straight guys today recognize that a vibrator is a masturbatory aid, nothing to be threatened by, and in his hands is just another way for him to get her off, not a threat. But I do get letters from women now who stumble across that fleshlight and are crazy threatened by it. And also... The letters I get from women about the fleshlights, which are they look like flashlights, but they have sort of this silicone uh, vagina thing uh, that you can stick your whole dick in. The letters I get from women now about these sex toys for men that are really coming online now that are really achieving the same sort of equivalency you know, a vibrator, it looks like a dick and it does things dicks don't do, but it looks just like a dick and you can use it as a penetration toy and you can use your vagina to get fucked without a dude, right? Um, There weren't really uh, parallels back in the horse and buggy day. You couldn't make one out of tin and leather straps, but now with silicone and, uh, you know, being able to heat these up and have them vibrate too, I get these letters from women and they're not just thinking, oh, this is kind of pathetic that he owns this disembodied vagina. The letters I get are from women telling me He's a serial killer. What he really wants is to cut my vagina out of my body and have my labia and my vagina without me. Which is crazy talk. It's just the you know the the, the flip side, the mirror reverse, the the inverse of the dildo. Is that he's got a dildo, he needs a place to put it. You've got a vagina, you need a dildo to put in it. And so these new sex toys for men have really made it possible for men to enjoy what. Women who are, you know, right now don't have a partner or aren't looking for a partner, uh, it's made it possible for men to enjoy what women have long enjoyed with their vibrators and dildos, which is basically penetrative sex. And so, ladies, the sex toy double standard right now is being enforced, I think, primarily by you. And you have one take on your sex toy, on your vibrating dildo, and another take on his. And it's interesting to see now that the shoe is on the other foot, how women are reacting. Men used to be very threatened by these substitute penises that were bigger and never got soft and could do things their dicks didn't do. Men have gotten over it. Women, ladies, it's your turn to get over it, to get over the fleshlight. Another good thing about fleshlights, as we talked about a lot in Savage Love over the years, it's a way to avoid death grip syndrome. Guys who grip themselves too firmly during during, uh, masturbation, and carve this groove into their dicks where their dicks don't respond to the subtler sensations of penetrative sex, uh, don't respond to a vagina, because a vagina can't exert as much pressure per square inch as a clenched fist. And, you know, if you're worried about that, a guy with a flashlight in his dresser drawer is a better bet than a guy with a clenched fist in his drawers. He calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For a free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash savage.
1: Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 19-year-old straight female, and um, I'm still a virgin. Yeah, it has something to do with um, being raised LDS Mormon, and yes, it has something to do with the fact that I'm very introverted and shy, and yes, it has to do with during my uh high school time I was overweight. But I left home. I'm I've lost quite a bit of weight for health reasons and I do feel better about myself but um I unfortunately growing up had uh, a lot of thoughts um genetic thoughts that come um, that create uh, lots of not pimples that pop all over your upper arm and back, upper back, that's genetic and goes away during adolescence and are due to hardened hair follicles. Um, Unfortunately, I had them, most teenagers have this, but I had them on a very bad level. I had lots of them, and um, they left scars, lots and lots of scars. And um, I've been to a dermatologist who I don't feel took me seriously and said, you know, you can put some lotion on it and it'll go away with time and kind of wave me away. But now I'm just very, very insecure. Um, I try to socialize. I mean, I'm already shy anyway, but I always get very insecure and wear long sleeves and I don't think anyone would be very attracted to me because of these scars. I don't know what I'm asking. Maybe if you have any information about skin care because the dermatologist kind of waved me away and didn't really care about me or any consolment. that maybe it's not that important that I have the perfect flawless skin that I see everyone else has. I don't know. I just want your advice
3: see another dermatologist. If the doctor you went to didn't take your concerns seriously and brushed you off, you have options. Other doctors that you can go talk to about other treatments. Um, I'm not a dermatologist, and I can't tell you what to do about your skin or your insecurities if the problem isn't that huge. I I can tell you, though, that everybody's got scars. Some you can see, some you can't. Um, Instead of covering everything up, And then worrying that somebody who flirts with you or hits on you or asks you out is only going to reject you once they see your skin for what it really is, uncover a little bit. You don't have to like walk around in a boob tube and halter tops if that makes you uncomfortable, but show your arms, show your shoulders, and then you will know that anybody who asks you out is not phased by your skin, that that is not an issue for them. So... Don't be shy and don't don't cover up because then you're just, you know, offloading you know the, the, the reveal, and then you're gonna stress and, and uh, get worked up and nervous about the reveal when it comes. So just like be open about it and at ease. And trust that you're 19 years old and a woman. There's guy, there are guys out there that want to fuck you, as we talked about at the beginning of the show. There are guys who will fuck disembodied silicone twats uh, stuffed into what look like flashlights. You've got more to offer than a silicone twat stuffed into a flashlight. And you have more to offer than just your skin. You have your heart, you have your soul, you have various orifices uh, that I assume aren't internally pockmarked in a way that'll turn anybody off. And there are guys out there for you, including guys who have insecurities and issues of their own. And you might want to look to them. And you know that... You are visibly imperfect for some guys is going to you know there are going to be some weirdo fetishists out there, and I use weirdo fetishists in the sex positive weirdo fetishist uh, community sense of the term, but there'll be some guys out there who will see that about you if you risk showing it and feel a little more comfortable, a little more at ease with you because you are imperfect and they are imperfect you know i've met some people who are drop dead supermodel gorgeous, and you know you read interviews with supermodels, these insanely attractive women. And one of their chief complaints, believe it or not, uh, is that nobody hits on them because they're just too intimidating. And all the guys assume that they have guys. They have all the guys they want, that they must get hit on all the time, that they, and they don't. And a lot of them are lonely because their perfection uh, is intimidating and is kind of a turnoff. So... Embrace your imperfections. You don't have to lead with them, but you shouldn't hide them. And go see another dermatologist. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter savage at checkout.
4: Hi, Dan. Um, I'm in a complicated situation. Uh, I'm a heterosexual male. We'll be turning 23 fairly soon. And throughout most of my life, I've, I've, uh, most of my life has been pretty strange. Um, I've led a, uh, mostly a very reclusive lifestyle and just kind of doing my own thing. Uh Sometimes it was because uh, um, I would have troubles connecting with people or uh have troubles trusting them, or I would just weird them out. And the consequence, of course, the less you go out with your friends, the less you have chances to uh, talk with girls, let alone try to make connection or hook up. And as a result, I'm still a virgin. And during this past year, I've been working hard on getting myself out more. And I've, I've very gradually been getting better at socializing. But with girls, it's still pretty much a, at a standstill. Like, I would usually feel out of my element or just sort of disconnected from the world. Or I would just wouldn't be interested. And uh, I'm at this point right now where it seems like getting myself into an Amherst adventure or just, having a sexual experience with another person just seems kind of absurd and totally unrealistic. And, um, yeah, it's a bummer, uh, because I'm very much interested in sex and giving other people pleasure. And like, I've been reading books on giving oral sex. I've also been reading books on acupressure and I feel like I have something to give, but I'm not sure to whom and where and, I don't initiate that. Yeah, that's my problem.
3: Well, it's good that you're getting yourself out there and socializing, and you should keep doing that. You should also get online and put up some pictures of yourself and take the time to create a profile where you really unpack who you are and trust that there are girls out there, like I said to the previous caller, who are in the same boat that you are. That there are people out there who are as nervous and inexperienced and shy and as inhibited and self-conscious about their inexperience as you are and your age or older. I get letters all the time from people who are virgins and in their 30s, male and female. And so just put yourself out there and it might help. You, you know, you, you come across on the phone, perhaps you're nervous recording a phone call from me. Perhaps you're nervous when you're out in a bar or you're out socializing and you meet a girl You come across a little like herky-jerky, not repulsive, like nothing you said uh, raised any red flags in the room, but you, you come across a little keyed up. And I think you're a really good candidate for internet dating because you can take some time responding to an email and you can actually develop a little bit of a rapport and some comfort level with somebody before you actually have to meet them face to face. And they'll be a little invested in you at that moment. You know, when it comes to, you know, hookup culture or going out or picking people up, people make instant snap judgments when they meet people, if they're, you know, looking to get laid that night or they're just horny and running around. And that you have to make those instant snap judgments because you don't want to accidentally go home with Jeffrey Dahmer or a fucking serial killer or a nut or a date rapist. So you know, things may be inferred about you if you are nervous and that's betrayed in your interactions with women in bars, women are like, oh, no, I'm going to move on to some guys who are smoother because, because they're smoother because they have better game. And that is kind of an assurance. So keep going out, smooth out your game, keep practicing those interactions with women, except that it may be a while before you ever have a, an instant face to face meeting with a woman, uh, where she isn't sort of turned off by your nervousness, and get online and meet women and chat and chat and chat. And then when you meet somebody, they'll already be a little invested in you because they'll have exchanged a bunch of emails with you. They still may make a snap judgment, but they're less likely to walk instantly away because they have already invested some time in you. And they'll give you a second chance at that first meeting. They'll hang out. They'll talk a little longer. And maybe then they'll see the decent 23-year-old learning about oral sex, doing his book reading guy behind the nervousness and anxiety. This podcast is brought to you by Netflix. Netflix delivers movies to your home in about one business day. Plus, you can instantly stream thousands of TV episodes and movies directly to your PC or Mac or right to your TV through Netflix-enabled devices such as the Xbox 360, PS3, or Nintendo Wii, all without late fees or due dates. One of the movies available to watch instantly this week on Netflix is Dog Day Afternoon, directed by Sidney Lumet, who recently passed away. It stars Al Pacino and Chris Randon and Charles Durning and James Broderick. It's a terrific movie, very atmospheric. If you missed the New York of the 1970s, sleazy, skeezy, sweaty New York, that is a movie that you want to see. For free trial... And to instantly watch this movie or choose from thousands of TV episodes or other movies, go to netflix.com slash savage. You got to be sure to use that URL, netflix.com slash savage.
5: Hi, Dan. My fiancé of three years um, recently had a drunken episode where he claimed he wanted to eat semen, and he was very upset when he couldn't. I was wondering what your thoughts were. Do you think he might be having sexual like a sexual confusion
3: maybe he's fine a man who wants to eat semen if only he had access to some thing or organ of his own that produced semen I think what you mean is a man who wants to eat other men's semen or some other guy's semen. Um, You know, in vino veritas, especially when it comes to sex and kink, uh, you know, in wine truth, he probably is a little curious. Uh, There are a lot of guys out there who, you know, want to give a blowjob once in their life. There are a lot of girls out there who want to eat pussy or mess around with a girl once in their life. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're truly homo or anything, just a little heteroflexible, a little curious, maybe you should ask him. And hopefully you have a relationship with somebody you're going to marry where you can have these kinds of conversations. Ask him, you know, when he beat off when he was a kid, did he eat his own semen then? A lot of boys did because they had crazy parents or they assumed their parents would go crazy and react very negatively if there was any evidence that their children were masturbating. So instead of, you know, risking the crusty cum sock on the floor, they destroyed the evidence by lapping it up. And maybe your boyfriend was one of those guys. You should ask him. And then you should ask yourself, what does it mean to you uh, to marry somebody who might be bi? Is he gay? Well, you might be a better judge of that than I am sitting here. Does he eat your pussy? That would be evidence that he is not. There are guys out there who are gay who have slept with women. I am one of them. Uh, But it's kind of hard to uh, pretend she's Keanu Reeves while you're eating her pussy. So most of us avoid that. Uh, because it's a little too visceral It's Keanu Reeves And this is his gunshot wound Like you can't do that You know So if he's your pussy You know if he's not, You know what percentage of Straight is enough straight for you if, Is he 95% straight with a little curiosity around the edge Around same sex messing around Is that okay Better this all comes out now than after you're married and then after you have children. But you should have a conversation with it. Doesn't necessarily mean he's gay. Might mean he's a little bit bi, just a little bit same-sex curious like so many women are. But when a woman is same-sex curious, the guy is usually psyched. And when a guy is same-sex curious, the woman is usually not. I would encourage you to be psyched instead and to go on this adventure with him and perhaps make this happen for him. Uh, At the very least, you can scoop his own cum off his own stomach and stick it in his mouth.
6: My wife for a few years has been depressed since January, and since then we've had sex, including oral and manual, maybe four times. Before that, she was regularly interested in sex. Now, though, I'm living on massive porn consumption and masturbation. My wife's new psychologist prescribes some new pills that seem to be helping, but still, her libido isn't coming back. She seems physically aroused quite often and talks about wanting to have sex but not being able to get past the mental block. She keeps promising that things will be better in an undefined soon, but after four months, I need more than that. I need results. Bringing this up, however, seems unwise because she knows I miss sex and I don't want to pressure or nag. I'm also aware that antidepressants kill libidos, but I'm worried that if I don't communicate to her just how much I miss sex and her libido doesn't recover, I won't be having my needs met. And anyway, I'm not having my needs met now, which is no fun. I do understand her predicament, but I'm in one of my own. What do you think I should do? Talk to her? Be patient and keep jerking off? How should I communicate my thoughts on the issue? Thanks
3: a lot. I vote for both. Talk to her and be patient and keep jerking off. I vote for all three. Uh, you know, there's a way you can talk to somebody who's at a low ebb, who's going through a tough time, who isn't feeling very sexual, that isn't aggrieved, that isn't, oh, you're not fucking me and I'm very sad and angry and deprived. And ugh. There's a way you can talk to them about it where it's just, I miss this. I miss this about our relationship. I miss you. I miss that connection. I miss the sex we enjoyed together. And I look forward to that resuming. There's a way to speak about it that isn't a grievance committee meeting where they're failing you by being depressed, by being sad, by going through a tough time, where you just every once in a while reaffirm, you know, cuddle, be intimate, hold her, and just reaffirm that as soon as she's ready, you're so ready. And you so missed this, but you've got to do it in a flat and supportive way where you're not, making her feel like she's failed you and then keep beating off and keep masturbating and it has to be said that four months to deal with depression to to go on meds to seek treatment is not a long time uh for her to be at this low ebb for her to be focusing on her mental health and not your dick and so i would give her some more time to get through this you know, think of those poor guys out there who's <laughs> long a postpartum depression, and that goes on sometimes for a very long time. You have a wife who's getting through this with your love and support, provide her with a little more, and it, you know, she's aroused, there's some physical intimacy there must be for you to be aware that she's sometimes aroused. It sounds like things will pick up soon if you don't fuck up the dismount here, <laughs> if you don't go f- belly flopping now. Uh, by folding your arms across the chest and having a real accusatory conversation where you make her feel worse about this. Hold her, love her, tell her you miss it, tell her you miss her, assure her that you are content, that you're beating off plenty and enjoying pornography if that doesn't make her crazy, and just relax. Give it a little more time. If it's still like this six months from now, call back.
5: Hi, Dan. I'm an 18-year-old bisexual woman currently going to school in Massachusetts. Um, I'm calling with a question about rape fantasy. Um, about three years ago, I learned I was really into them. Um, I liked to masturbate to them as well as role play scenes with my boyfriend. Uh, it was something I really enjoyed, uh, but then two years ago, uh, that changed when I was actually raped. Um, and I've had one boyfriend since then. And, I mean, I kind of tried out the fantasies again, but it just didn't really work the same way. It actually kind of brought back flashbacks and scared me quite a lot. Um, And I've been dating someone new for the past five months now, and while our sex has been great, um, I'm starting to think about those fantasies again, but more kind of on the lighter side of things, like just maybe holding me down of the more intense role playing. Um, I want to try these, but I'm also scared that it will bring flashbacks um, back again or ruin the new sex. Um, right now, I'm in therapy. It's kind of a new thing, so I definitely don't feel like I'm you know fully healed yet. Um, so I'm just wondering as if you have any advice if you think I should avoid um, you know going back to these fantasies for a while or if you think maybe it's just never going to be the same again, or if you think I'm
3: fine, to try it again. It doesn't sound like you need to avoid going back to these fantasies. It sounds like these fantasies are gradually coming back to you, um, that they've been creeping into your erotic imagination, hopefully in ways that affirm your control. Uh, oftentimes when people explore rape fantasies or, you know, giving up power in sexual situations, um, what is hammered home is their ability to take that power back. That that is something that they have done, not that something is being done to them. Um, that said, you know it sounds like they're creeping back in around the edges. Perhaps as you know, time and distance takes you from uh, the, the experience of actual rape, and therapy helps you process the difference between consensual sex, whatever it looks like, and non-consensual sex, whatever it looks like. So just relax let what happens happen, let your erotic imagination go where it goes, uh, and take those baby steps that you're already taking. And when you say, will things ever be the same again? Maybe not. And maybe that's all right. Maybe, you know, the more extreme kinds of, uh, you know, power play that you fantasized about, you know, through these instantly accessible, understandable rape scenarios, maybe there's a way where you can, in your erotic imagination, kind of Rediscover that thrill in other ways where it's not a rape scenario, but it's some sort of power and control thing like your boyfriend, as you said, holding you down during sex that doesn't take you back. It doesn't create flashbacks. Experientially looks very different uh, than the rape fantasies you used to have or the rape reality that you experienced. And I'm very sorry uh, about that and what you went through. And that's a tragedy. And I hope they caught the guy and castrated him. But jumping back to what I said at the start, I don't think there's anything you need to do right now. I don't think you need to get out in front of your brain and your twat. It sounds like they're letting you know very gradually what they're ready for and what feels safe. And they're taking those baby steps. So don't think that you have to will yourself back into the same place you were at years ago when these fantasies first took hold for you and took root and remember what these fantasies allow you to explore is power games is momentary helplessness and you can recast that drama and you can do a whole different play where there isn't a rape scenario but there's still that same experience of powerlessness and, and giving up power and having power taken but you're in control of it and it can look very different uh, than the things you used to fantasize about that may indeed be spoiled for you now because of that experience of actual rape.
5: Hi, Dan. Um, I am calling because I have a question and I think you're really just the person to answer it. Um, okay, so to start out with, I'm very stoned. And um, what happens when I get stoned is I get really turned on, um, which I am right now. Um, And the thing is, I I really realized that I only enjoy sex when I'm totally stoned because that's the only way I can get this turned on. And I don't know how to get that. I don't know how to get to that place sober. Um, And I really want to because I don't want to smoke pot every time I have sex, but it's just so much better. Ah, you know. I want that all the time. So, um, you know, how do I get there? I just don't know. Do I need to like meditate and like learn to like find a different way to that place, or like how do I how do I you know make this happen? I want to have awesome sex all the time.
3: I've listened to your call six or seven times now, and I, 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 I for the life of me, I can't figure out what the problem is. Okay, so the pot makes you horny. Uh, you you know alcohol in Vito veritas, and some harmless, relatively speaking, drugs like marijuana. They they disinhibit people, and you clearly have some inhibition that locks you up. And marijuana is the key, and it unlocks something for you. And rather than identifying that as the problem, why don't we identify marijuana as the solution instead of marijuana is the problem? Like. Love it. Live it. Smoke your pot and fuck your fucking brains out. And maybe if you relax, you will come to a place where you're able to unlock that, you know, pick that lock without marijuana's help. But what you don't want to do is, you know, you, you've stumbled across this great disinhibitor pot. And what it sounds like you're doing is you want to inhibit yourself around that, that you want to lock pot up too. Big mistake. Don't abuse it. Don't overuse it. You know, don't become a couch potato uh enjoy sex as much as you can when you're sober and really enjoy the fuck out of it when you're not and hopefully there'll be some overlap and then some merging eventually but right now you know pots a crutch and the good thing about crutches is eventually most people can throw them away but you don't throw away the crutch too soon because then you're just lying there on the ground enjoy (laughs) You you, you can get a fucking prescription for pot for that. It's like it's your Viagra. And nobody says to a guy who's taking Viagra, which is potentially toxic side effects, oh, you shouldn't take that just to get a boner. People are like, yeah, boners matter. Here's your drugs. Okay? Your pussy matters. Here's your drug. Enjoy.
7: Hi, Dan. I'm a 22-year-old straight male that just came out as transvestite. Growing up, I never felt like I fit the Judeo-Christian male gender role bullshit that was being forced on me by my parents. And by about 17, I was really repressing my urges to cross stress. Uh, So I moved into the city the summer before college and started going out in town as trans. Uh, I got really scared, though, right before college started because my friends and family didn't know And I was worried that I wouldn't be taken seriously as a student or a professional, Um, so I put the facade back up. I even grew a thick manly beard, which I'm pretty good at, and met a girl, and we were super in love for about two years, actually. Um, But we broke up about a year and a half ago, and since then, it's been pretty treacherous. Uh, I've been really lonely and have sort of been focusing on my studies to keep my mind at bay on the issue. in this year and a half, I also maintained the the masculine facade and relocated from Oregon to Kansas because I received a scholarship to come here and study music. Uh, so finally, this last month, I got fed up with pretending I'd been single in any ways that the facade wasn't working. So um, I went shopping and got a super cute haircut and finally came flying out of the closet in full force. And finally, I feel like I'm not putting up a facade and feels great. My housemate says that my posture is even better and that I project confidence as a trans. Uh, I love to accessorize and do my makeup. It's It just makes me feel great. So um, that's all fine, but except for when I go out and flirt with girls, uh, either on campus or at the bars, they always assume I'm gay because they grew up in fucking dumbass conservative Kansas and they have no idea what's out there in the world. Um, uh, after I tell them I'm straight, they just look at me weird and find a way to end the conversation, and it just it sucks. Um, so i now I feel like I further condemn myself to being alone as no prospective mates here are accepting me and uh, even though I'm getting involved with lGBT groups on campus, I still feel lonely because they aren't loving me intimately or fucking me. um you know at this point, masturbation feels like a chore and totally boring even though I'm, I I do have you know, high quality porn uh, because all I can think about is the touch of a woman's skin and like how bad I want to eat some pussy and just fuck somebody until they come over and over and I really fucking enjoy pleasing women I fucking love it I, I love the female body so but they just won't let me in you know uh, so tell me how do I approach this thanks so much
3: I wanted to get you on the phone because I, I had a question for you. You describe yourself as a transvestite at the top of the call, and then you call yourself trans. And I'm just curious. Those are kind of two distinct things. Are you transitioning to being you know, a woman? Are, are, you know, do you believe that you're you know, female-identified? Are you male-to-female transsexual? Or are you a transvestite, which is about you know, the eroticism, the sensuality, and dress-up, and boners? People who are trans um, women will tell you it's not about the boners. Uh-huh. So are you a straight guy? Who's a transvestite I, I actually, and androgynous, yeah. or are you a lesbian?
2: I'm, like, really extremely androgynous. Um, I, the whole terminology is really new to me, honestly. Um, I don't really know what to call myself. I'm just a straight guy who loves eating pussy, but I also look like looking like a girl. So,
3: Do you um, want to have a vagina? No. You want to keep your dick? Yes. Do you want to get sex reassignment surgery? Do you want to get breasts? Do you want to take hormones? Nope, just
2: me. Okay. Just, just like I am.
3: All right, mm-hmm. then. Uh, and I support either choice. I'm not uh, favoring one or yeah. the other. Just so I know what we're talking about. You know, androgynous and, you know, sexy and tran- trans guy, uh, that's something that's going to appeal to a lot of women. It's not going to appeal to a lot of women in Kansas, in college. Uh-huh. Even the yeah. women who it might appeal to don't realize it yet, or they suppress it because they don't want their girlfriends to think that they're weird yeah. because they're into the androgynous guy who likes to wear makeup. It's usually after they get out of college and relax. It's just like guys, straight guys who are attracted to big women, who are attracted to big women, mm-hmm. often yeah. won't pursue them when they're young because they feel judged by their straight male friends they want to fuck something not that they want to fuck but they want to fuck something that their friends want to fuck and they don't want to be judged and it's the same thing often with women who are attracted to more feminine guys or androgynous guys is that their girlfriends don't want to fuck that and they don't want their girlfriends to think less of them for fucking somebody like you right but they relax about about that that after college the sort of group think thing it doesn't entirely evaporate, but it lifts after college. Yeah. And I would encourage you to go to a place. You know, when you're looking around professionally, your career, you need to really look at cities like Portland and San Francisco. You need to look to places that have large, active trans and transvestite communities.
2: You want to know? I'm a, I'm so insane, Dan. I, I honestly, I moved from Eugene, Oregon. I used to live <laughs> in Eugene. I moved here. Why the fuck did I move here? I have no idea. Well, you're only
3: there for a while. And there are worse things than being horny and single at college. Lots of people Uh are in that boat, whether they're androgynous, transvestite, straight guys who love to eat pussy or not. And, Uh you know, your choice right now is you can be yourself and alone, or you can be someone you're not and maybe get somebody to fuck you who isn't into you. Right. Or you can beat off a lot, save up a lot of money for trips home or trips to San Francisco or trips to other places where guys like you get play. Mm -hmm. And there are communities of women who dig androgynous guys. Right. (laughs) They're out Uh, there. They're just not out there in Kansas. How much longer are you in school for?
2: I'm in school for two more years. I I think what's going on right now is I'm really especially upset because I've already been in undergraduate school for four years. I'm, I'm 22 years old and I'm I'm, since I'm a music major, and it's a pretty intensive degree, I'm going to be here for another two years finishing up. And, you know, it's just driving me nuts that, um, you know, they, people walk around here and they talk about acceptance of, you know, homosexuals, and, 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 you know, we have an LGBT group here, obviously, or two of them, actually, yet, you know, people still do things that are not supportive. You know, they say they they take actions that are much different than they speak. And it hurts my feelings and it hurts my other, my fellow LGBT friends' feelings, you know? Well, you can't,
3: you know, people who are supportive are supportive and you can't look to people who aren't supportive and say that the lack of support from some people who don't get it somehow negates Mm -hmm. the support you do get from people who do get it. Mm -hmm. So don't, you can't take that personally or you'll make yourself crazy. Right, yeah. You know, I, 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 live in, I live in Seattle, and I'm always saying Seattle's a really wonderful, accepting place, and I never feel self-conscious about you know, being with my husband in a restaurant and it looking like we're on a date or we're together. And every once in a while, like somebody makes a remark or a car drives by and somebody screams faggot. And I don't like melt into a puddle on the floor and go, Seattle isn't everything I thought it would be. Uh-huh. I think, what's wrong with that person? Why are they here right. in my town? So that there are some people there who are douchebags. Don't invest that with the power to destroy you. Some people are douchebags everywhere. (laughs) People get gay bashed in San Francisco. There's less ugly shit in a place like San Francisco, particularly for a guy like you. Right. And it's going to be your calling card when you get out of a place like that, when you get out of Kansas. And two years, two years is going to fly by. And get a fucking job and save some money on top of getting an education and take a couple of vacations Uh, In the next couple of years to audition the places you want to move to go and look at a place like San Francisco, go and look at a place like Portland or Eugene again, or a place like Seattle, places with large sex positive communities where there's other like transy androgynous guys who get a lot of pussy. They're out there and you can reach them online and you can chat and find a community and find support while you tough it out in Kansas. I liked Kansas. but I'm I like glad the, you came. I like those cornfed boys.
2: Right. It's, it's weird, but, you know, there's, I think it's, there's changes on the horizon here, I'm, I'm hoping, you know.
3: Enjoy what you can in Kansas right now because, you know what, when you get out of there, you're never going back. Right. So whatever you like about Lawrence and uh, being in college and being in that part of the country right now, really do the shit out of that right now because you're never going back.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
3: Thank you so much. Okay. Bye bye now.
0: Hi, Dan. I was just listening to Podcast 235 about the girl who was into breath control or choking, and you were talking about how it's really dangerous. I want to first off thank you for pointing that out because a lot of people don't realize it. Um, I thought that I was into choking because I... I had a few guys who tried it really lightly, and what I realized, I was more into the sensation of dominance, and so my suggestion whenever people ask me about that is to tell your guy to press more on, like, your collarbone, because it presses you down, and if they can sort of press on your chest more, it's hard to get a deep breath, so you sort of get the sensation that you're after, but you always can breathe, so there's no... Danger involved, or less danger. So yeah, instead of you know having him grab you by the throat and crush your larynx, have him press down on the top of your chest while you know he's on top of you or something, and then harder to breathe, but if need be, you can get air in. So there's a lot less risk, and you're always able to say stop. That's my advice.
8: Thanks. Bye. Uh, Hi Dan. Love the call and podcast but I want to take issue with the advice that you gave in episode 236 about the guy who was gun-shy about settling down with a woman who has a five-year-old child. You basically told him to suck it up and do it, and you said that it would be send a bad message to the kid that he's the one holding his mother back from having a great relationship. Uh, While I agree that it's really rare for anyone to find a perfect relationship, in this case, a kid's life is at stake. You can't fake loving a kid. If the car can't go into it ready to be a parent, then the kid will be able to sense it. The kid will know that the guy doesn't love him, doesn't want him, and would rather he not be there. If he can't commit to being the kid's father, and she wants someone who can make that commitment, and I think it sounded like that is what she wanted, which is why he dumped her, uh, then he absolutely did her a favor by being honest about his feelings. At a minimum, it should be the mother's decision whether she wants to keep a guy around who harbors doubts about her kid. That's just my two cents about it. Uh love the podcast. Hope all's well. Uh, hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to um, episode 235 about the, the girl who went to the Castro, and she said um, she made out with two gay guys, and then you said um, um, gay guys um, don't make out with girls. Uh, I'm a gay guy in Vegas, and sometimes you go out and you just... I, I, I'm, an, I, I'm a gay guy, an adult who, uh, in Vegas, and so sometimes you just go out and you make out with girls. No big deal.
3: And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. But quickly, before we go, I wanted to give a shout out to Casey, the listener of the podcast who lives in Los Angeles that I had the pleasure of meeting on the It Gets Better book tour. Uh, Met him and his mom's at the reading uh, in Los Angeles. And it was a real pleasure to meet you, Casey, and your purple hair. And everybody else, I just wanted to remind you that if you have a comment, you can call us, of course, 206-201-2720 and record a question or a comment. But if you want to make sure folks see your comment about the show, thestranger.com slash lovecast, uh, where you can comment on each and every episode on the website. 206-201-2720. Me and the tech savvy at will be back to catch you next week. Another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening, especially you, Casey.